Welcome into the Jaguars broadcast week interview podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you, and today is Friday, October 2nd, and we've made it to October. Yes, we're in the midst of week four of the NFL season. There's plenty to get to this week, including Doug Marone's message to the team after the Titans' COVID-19 outbreak. The Jaguars looking for pass rush on number one draft pick Joe Burrow. And Jags running back James Robinson says his league award is cool in his own modest way. Let's start this week with the second edition of the Schlin Show podcast featuring, you guessed it, reporter Ashlyn Sullivan visiting with family members of players. Now, we all know Josh Allen pretty well by now. Second-year player, pro bowler, he talks every week, a great personality. He's on TV now this year, but not many know him as well as his sister, Maisha Hines-Allen. She's a forward for the Washington Mystics in the WNBA and had great insight this week to Alan as a sibling while giving her perspective as a professional athlete. And you mentioned the beard and the muscles, and how about him being a dad? Like, I see Josh in the stadium, and I see him when he brings Wesley to the facility. I'm like, my gosh, that's crazy that, like, you are such a goofy person and also a dad as well. Oh, my gosh. And he takes so much pride in being a great father. Uh, And I think that's – all you can ask for is for him to, you know, try his best and to to do anything and everything for his for his two sons um, and be a great and be a great husband, too. Uh, so, you know, just again, just so proud of everything that he's been able to do, like on and off the field. You are, We talk about on the field, uh, Joshua, all the time, but the things that he's done off the field incredible. And just to see him grow into this man, you know, a husband father to two sons and you know and do it with such dignity and and respect it's just like you don't see it often you don't see it often and you know for him to to do a great job and and be that that role model he is is it's great yeah it's crazy I'm sure he's told you about Calais Campbell and when I first got to the team they're like all right like you're never going to cover someone like Calais Campbell in your life and like I had that in my head and the more I'm around Josh I'm like dang like he's just like him (laughs) Someone he looks up to, too, you know, just hearing stories and how he took him. He took Josh under his wing. You know, it's it's good when you have veterans who've been in the league for a long time and and want the best for you and want to see you succeed um, and, and, and that are in your corner, too. It makes your job a lot easier, your transition a lot easier into that professional world. Um, so I'm glad he was there and to help Josh his first year. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that transition. You being there doing that going college to pro did he ever reach out about you know doing that being a professional athlete that transition yeah uh so we talked once about it for for a very long time of how it was you know tough you just got to keep grinding it out keep grinding it out things aren't going to be perfect your first year your second year maybe even your third but if you continue to grind it out you you see progress within yourself and then it starts to trickle down um throughout the system and the, the football team say um yeah we, we've talked about it before you know I, I'm glad we've, we've gotten a chance to step away from really when we talk step away from sports dive into other things other than sports but when I was able to talk to him about you know the transition in life you know just hearing the stories and hearing what he had to say I commend him for getting through it and you know continue to work <laughs> continue to work at it uh because because it isn't it isn't easy just to, just to see him continue to continue to keep pushing, see him as a, a captain already too, his second year. I mean, kudos, <laughs> kudos to him. 
Now to Josh Allen on the field this week. The Jags face the number one overall draft pick from this year, quarterback Joe Burrow, in week four, and he's taken a beating as of late. He was sacked eight times and endured 18 hits from the Eagles last week. Even with that, he still nearly won the game for Cincinnati. Pass rush this week is critical, and Allen feels like they just have to take control of the trenches. For me, like, thinking about it, uh, I'm not really worried about what everybody else is doing because uh, everybody's going to play different. Uh, everybody's scheme's different, so I'm worried about how we prepare and how we're going to come and execute. Well, I know we got to do our thing uh, this week, and um, I know they have given up a lot of pressures, which is you know, a good sign for us. We still have to do our job. We still got to get off the ball. We still got to rush passer as much as we as much as we can and get them to situations where we can be able to rush the pass as much as we want. So, so our mindset, man, is just coming in, being the best us. Cause like I said, man, like I'll be trying to tell everybody they got to block us and you know, we're not trying to have them block us or find a way to try to figure out block us. You know, we got to get after them and show them how, show them that we're top dogs. And that's just our mindset is going into this week, man. I'm really excited. Pass rush doesn't all fall on the defensive line, though. It is a full defensive issue, according to head coach Doug Marone. Rush and cover go hand in hand. Josh, Caleb on, and I think obviously we're, we're banking on Smoot, you know, and even maybe Hamilton and a couple other guys that can get in there and get the rush. But I always look at pass rushes. You can see when someone beats someone one-on-one you know, like right off the bat and goes ahead and and creates a sack with a good move. And you see those top level guys, you know, at times doing that. I think Josh has been, you know, close, you know, but like I said, you know, close doesn't really mean a lot, you know, Uh, it's a game of inches and what you can do. And Caleb Bonds has done a nice job and he's getting better each week. But I think it's in conjunction of, of, of how do you create pressure on the quarterback? It's from both ends. It's from the guys up front. It's from the guys in the back end you know, making sure that we cover. And I've always said that, you know, even when, you know, I've been with teams that had a lot of sacks, you know, all the uh, media attention and attention around outside of the building was always on the players that are creating those those sacks. But really the guys that are creating it are, are in the back end at times. So I think it's a truly a group effort of everyone working on because that's where I think the term where you hear coverage sack comes on, right? I mean, we've all heard that term before. That's a coverage sack. So, you know, you just got to be able to make sure that, hey, listen, if that quarterback's going to that first read, sometimes even the second, but mostly the first, if he's going to that first read and that first read's open, unless you just completely whiff, it's going to be very difficult to get guys down. So, you know, we're working on this group effort to try to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. Now, the Bengals have a really strong core of skill players outside to go along with their running back, Joe Mixon, lining up beside Burrow in the backfield. But they've leaned on the quarterback, of course, to trigger all of it so far. He has 141 passing attempts, and that's the second most in the league behind only Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys. Burrow has also made his presence felt off the field at Bengals headquarters, according to Bengals.com reporter Marissa Contapelli, who joined Ashwin Sullivan, Brian Sexton, and John Osier on Jags Drive Time Thursday morning. Morning. Has he lived up to all the expectations you guys had for him as the first overall pick? It really has. He has been so impressive from the moment he that I've seen him walk into the door, um, just the way he, he goes about his business, his demeanor. I mean, the fact that he was voted a captain uh, in his rookie season when there wasn't really a typical offseason just shows how much uh, respect that his teammates already have for him. He's been so impressive on the field. I know the Bengals offensive line has had struggles through the first three weeks of the season, um, but Joe has just done a tremendous job and just uh, what a high ceiling um, this 
this guy has already. Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings on Jaguars social channels. When we return, Doug Marone's message to the team after the COVID-19 outbreak in Tennessee. Plus, Jay Gruden explains what the absence of DJ Chark meant to last week's game plan. All that after this. Jags fans, TIAA Bank is here to help you keep your money working hard, week in and week out. Open a yield pledge checking or money market account today and start scoring some of the most competitive rates in the country. To see how we can fit into your financial game plan, visit a financial center near you or find us online at TIAABank.com slash Jags. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars have launched an organization-wide commitment to voter education. It's organized by players and coaches and designed to encourage fans to get in the game with a call for civic engagement. The Jaguars are calling for fans in Florida to register to vote by the October 5th deadline. It is right upon us now. Visit jaguars.com vote as a resource for voter registration and key deadlines. Now to the biggest news item from around the NFL this week, the Tennessee Titans COVID-19 outbreak. The Titans returned from their week three win and had five players and six staff members test positive over three days of tests early this week. And then Friday morning, two more players tested positive. The Titans' offices are closed for in-person work, and the league postponed this week's Titans-Steelers matchup to a later date. And there seems to be a window in Week 7 if the league can maneuver a couple other scheduled games. Oh, and by the way, the Titans are scheduled to host the Bills in Week 5, and we'll see where the organization is by then. An outbreak gives everyone a reminder of how quickly things can go from really smooth through three weeks to quarantine and chaos in Week 4. On the Doug Marone Show on the Jaguars radio network this week, the Jags head coach gave his perspective on the situation, and he told the team to remain vigilant. Yeah, I, th- I think it creates a, a great opportunity to, you know, keep going back through uh, the protocols and, you know, just basically how how much awareness you really need when you when you leave the building. Like I said, when you're within the building with obviously, you know, like you see here, the contact traces and, um, you know, we're getting tested every day. But, you know, that doesn't mean that someone can't go out that night, you know, contract the virus um, from from somewhere and bring it into your building. And I think that's why, you know, you just have to be, you have to be careful and, you know, it created an opportunity again, not that, um, you know, we, we haven't stopped talking to our, our players about it, but it gives another opportunity to show you, you know, how, how quickly this virus can spread. You talked about how you're tested every day. Am I right in saying that the only day that you guys aren't tested is on game day? That, that's correct. Unless, unless you have a, a, a short week the following week. So when we had the Thursday night game, we wound up testing uh, Sunday morning prior to our game. Uh, scary situation with the Tennessee Titans, and I'm sure you're like me, and then I'd, I'd said just a few minutes ago that you obviously wish the people that have tested positive nothing but the best and that they have a, a speedy recovery because a lot of times people have a tendency to focus on the game and the lost game and trying to make that game up when in reality, I think the focus sometimes should be on the people that have been affected by this and have come down with COVID. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, it affects everyone. You know, you bring it home to your family. Um, you know, there's elders involved, there's children involved. It's uh, There's just so much involved. And it's just uh, it's obviously a tough situation. And I feel like the NFL and the NFLPA has done a great job of setting up these protocols. Obviously, I think it's 
you know, a, a good decision, you know, to, to hold off. I think there's time, you know, to make these games up. You know, obviously there'll be challenges down the road with this virus, but, um, you know, we got a lot of people working on it and trying to stay on top of it. Best wishes to those affected in Tennessee for a speedy recovery. Now back to the Jaguars, and congrats to Jaguars rookie running back James Robinson. He was named the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Month of September for his 339 scrimmage yards, the most of any undrafted player through three games in league history. When asked about it Thursday, it was the usual modest, reserved Robinson we are beginning to know well. Um, I like to go about it like I don't want to be surprised by anything that I do because for me, I want to go out there and play the same or even better uh, every time and helping out the team and uh, just playing my role and doing my job and helping my teammates out. Uh, who informed you that you were the rookie of the month and how did it make you feel? So I didn't find out about it until our team meeting. So I just kind of went about my day and just went in the uh, meeting room and sat there. And then when he, once he started talking, that's when I found out. And I just kind of, he just kind of went on and we just kind of went on about our day. Hey, James, obviously uh, you're humble and uh, thinking about uh, bigger things, but is there any part of this award that's cool at all? I mean, inside you kind of thinking, hey, this is, you know, cool, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. But I mean, I kind of didn't. Coming, coming in today, I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of go about how I go about, my day, go about my day every day, and it just came up, and it was just kind of a surprise to me because I didn't know about it at all. Yeah, so it's pretty – I mean, it's, it is cool, though. He's off to a great start statistically, but the Jaguars' offense could also use some great starts as a whole. For yet another week, the Jaguars in Week 3 found themselves down by two scores early in the game, and offensive coordinator Jay Gruden this week said he came off the run a bit early trying to stay within reach. You know, unfortunately, we've given up some touchdowns on our first drive, and we've been behind early, and then we weren't able to answer against Tennessee um, or Miami or Indianapolis, so we got down and playing catch-up, and that's not uh, easy with the young quarterback and young offense. You know, we have to stay on track as I have to stay do a better job of staying on track as a play caller and not getting too uh, uh, panicky, so to speak. I got to make sure we stay on track and and uh, make sure we keep the run mixed in there with the pass. Last week against Miami, I uh, probably got a little too pass happy, which uh, is unfortunate. Puts our team in a tough position. Our tackles puts our uh, quarterback in a tough position. Uh, so we got to do a good job of keeping balance. Um, and it's our job to get starting faster. We try to make that a focal point last week. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, hopefully, it'll happen this week against Cincinnati. But uh, we have to be prepared for uh, both scenarios. We got to be able to play with the lead. We got to be able to play without a lead. So uh, it's a good learning experience for our guys. But we do have to do a better job starting fast. Do you think that's something about just having a young team that they have to learn how to settle down and really start the game the way they play later in the game? Uh, a little bit, baby. Uh, I think uh, we can help them out too. We got to try to hit some of these big plays that are available to us, and we got to make plays. Last week we didn't make plays on third down, which got us off the field and and made us have shorter drives, which got us off script. You know, we had a, a lot of good plays available to us in the play action and the keeper game, and we didn't get to because we got down, and and a lot of that is because we weren't effective on third down. I think we were three for ten. So. Uh, Terrible play calls on third down by me, and and, and uh, we didn't execute quite good enough, unfortunately. Uh, but this week, if we're going to be an effective football team offensively, we have to convert to third down and four to fives uh, in order for us to keep drives alive, which opens up the playbook for everything else uh, so we don't get down and become one-dimensional. Jamal St. Cyr from Channel 4 with a question there. The Jaguars were also without wide receiver DJ Chark in last week's game, who suffered a chest and back injury on his 45-yard reception in Week 2. On the short week, they didn't find out he wouldn't be available until it was too late. 
It was a lot, actually. You know, not to make excuses, but he is. Uh, we talk about one-on-one matchups. He's usually the guy we want to look to in the one-on-one matchups. He's our best one-on-one matchup player, and not having him available kind of hurt us. And we had a, a lot of formations and plays designed for him, and we didn't really know until Wednesday afternoon, late afternoon, that he wasn't going to be available to us. Which really, uh, it's hard to change your game plan totally uh, from Wednesday afternoon to Thursday night, uh, unfortunately. So that had a, a, a good impact, but we're not going to use that as an excuse. Other guys have to step up. And unfortunately, uh, we didn't do a good job of that. But but DJ is definitely a guy that anytime he's not in a game, you're going to miss him for sure. We move to the quarterback, and Gardner Minshew second had his worst statistical game of the season so far. And there were moments that he might have bailed on the pocket a little bit early in the passing game. The second-year quarterback says it's a work in progress to read and react. That's definitely a work in progress. Uh, it's one of those things, kind of for me, the rule of thumb I've always had is like, once you get through your progression, you know, then you look to make something happen. Um, yeah, you know, if you're skipping reads and getting out early, then that's an issue. But then sometimes, you know, it just works out and then it's all good. And then it doesn't work out and then it's all bad. So, you know, it's a pro- uh, you know process we're working on, you know, week by week. You got to be able to keep your eyes down, feel when you reads. As you feel the pocket, feel when you have space, feel, you, feel when it's closing in too fast, and, um, you know, adjust him. This Sunday's game is Minshew's 16th career start. He's already actually played the equivalent of a full NFL season, if you count his two relief appearances last season. But the prep as a starter, of course, is much different than as a reliever or a backup. An offensive weapon for Minshew is tight end Tyler Eifert. He's returning to Cincinnati to face his old team this week. He spent the first seven seasons of his career with the Bengals, and they selected him 21st overall in the first round of the 2013 draft. He went to a Pro Bowl with Cincinnati and was part of Jay Gruden's offense early in his career. He'd like a few looks this week from the quarterback. Yeah, I think we're looking, we're trying to get like 20 targets just for, just because. I think you always want to play good, play well against your old team, but I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want it to be about me or anything like that. I mean, this team, we need to to go in there and get a win and get this thing rolling in the right direction. Did it ever seem like a a realistic possibility that you would re-sign in Cincinnati? And and even before that last year, did you ever feel like you were part of the new direction here? I mean, they made it pretty much as clear as you can by just telling me they're not going to re-sign me. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting to go back there. Jay Morrison of The Athletic covering the Bengals with the question of Eifert there. And the full media video conference archives are available always on Jaguars.com. And finally, on Wednesday's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Fields Auto Group, Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and I present our big game Jaguar. And yes, this is the Jaguar we think will have a big game Sunday. Real original. Bucky Brooks, get us going. So I'm going to go with Garner Minshew. I think Garner Minshew has to bounce back. He has to get up off the mat. We saw him have an outstanding performance against the Tennessee Titans, and I, I think we want to see more of that. He has to curb the turnovers and the, the negative plays because that puts the offense in a hole. But if he just distributes the ball and just kind of plays within this offense, he's certainly good enough as a distributor to get them to the winner's circle. I would want to see him have a big game against Cincinnati. Mike Gardner Minshew is the selection for Bucky Brooks. John Osier, who are you going with? I'm going to wait for the graphic to uh, pop up because I've drawn a blank <laughs> on who I picked. Oh, okay, Eifert. I was going to go with Chark, and I debated back and forth, and I couldn't remember who I told you I wanted. Uh, I'm going to go with Eifert for sort of the obvious reason. He's going home, Cincinnati. I also think that with Chark being back, the Bengals are going to guard against that. They're going to be trying to take away Chark. Frankly, Eifert right now feels like the guy who's the best option 
for being the second option in the offense. Chenault is going to be at some point. I don't know that he's advanced enough as a receiver to be Minshew's go-to if Chark is taken away. Eifert showed the flash for the touchdown against Tennessee. I don't really worry about the going back to Cincinnati stuff, but he's got the experience. He knows how to get open. I'm going with Tyler Eifert as the big game Jaguar with two, count them, two touchdown receptions. Not one, but two yeah. touchdown receptions for Tyler Eifert, says John Osier. Uh, I'm going to go with defense here, and this is a game they need on the defensive side, and it's a game for Josh Allen to really, really get in that stat column with some pass rush this week. You know, it's it's an offensive line and an offense in Cincinnati that's given up 14 sacks, the most in the league. Eight of those were last week for the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles hit him 18 times in that game. Now, mind you, obviously the Eagles have uh, some big-time names on that defensive line, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, just to name a couple of them. But they did it all day long. Now, Burrow got up, and he's a tough guy, and he's going to go through and, and, and play through that kind of thing and, and not let it rattle him. But it feels like it was more than just a one-game situation for the Cincinnati offense. So the Jags, if they can find a way to, to pre or play a little better in the secondary, play a little tighter, it could give that front a little more time. So Josh Allen, I think, has a day. At least two sacks. Not one, but at least two sacks in the game for Josh Allen, pressure all day on Joe Burrow. That's my selection. So, Minshew for Bucky, Eifert for Osher, Allen for Shadrick. Jaguars Happy Hour airing Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoons at 4 o'clock on 1010XL Radio. That's Monday and Thursday, all three days on Jags social channels. Remember, there's a new way to enjoy game day this year. The Jags have introduced Jags at Home. It's an interactive second screen experience on game days featuring Ashwin Sullivan and Eric Dunn. And each game day, you'll have the chance to win $10,000 in cash and prizes. Visit jagsathome.com for more information on how you can play and win. As for the radio broadcast this week, we're on the air Sunday morning at 10 o'clock with a Publix tailgate show on 1010XL Radio, followed at noon on the Jaguars radio network with Countdown to Kickoff. Then the Jaguars face the Bengals in week four at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. The Jags trying to snap a two-game slide and get back to 500. Kickoff time set for 1 o'clock Eastern. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game this Sunday. Thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick, and that's all for this week. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week Interview Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.